Welcome to Startup ROI, where we explore global technology trends and how they manifest themselves in France. Whether you're an entrepreneur, investor, or tech enthusiast, I'm glad to have you here. Right now, you're listening to the audio version of this week's essay, Liberté, Égalité, Mobilité, Mobility Tech in the 15-Minute City. Introduction, the 15-Minute City. Living in a major metropolitan city like Paris or New York is truly a privilege. They're epicenters of culture, fashion, food, and commerce. You have the entire world at your front door. Despite all the amazing perks, there are drawbacks. I'm not looking for sympathy here, but as a city dweller, you have to endure, day in and day out, some of the less pleasant aspects of sharing space with millions of other people. Crowded metro cars, among the sweaty masses, busy streets, sidewalks littered with dog poop. Okay, this is mostly a Parisian thing. Endless noise pollution and a lack of green space. The constant grind required to survive and hopefully thrive in a metropolis is perfectly summed up by one of my favorite French expressions, illustrating the grating monotony of trying to make it. Metro, boulot, dodo. Subway, work, sleep. Many of us have come to accept this as our fate. Cities are big, crowded, dirty, and at times dangerous. That's just the trade-off for access to the most interesting people and best opportunities. But urban planners, progressive politicians, and tech companies alike offer a different vision for the future of cities by asking the following questions. Why is it that we've we forked over so much of our urban space to cars, trucks, motorcycles, instead of pedestrians? How does the distribution of public space impact our lives? Were cities always like this? If we can change it, what might the future look like in dense urban areas? The mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo, may just be the vehicle for implementing drastic change. Already a champion for reducing traffic and greenifying Paris, the pandemic presented a unique opportunity to overhaul the city at record pace. Her long-term vision has been dubbed the 15-minute city, in which any resident has access to work, home, and the necessary amenities within a 15-minute bike ride. During lockdown, we had a somewhat dystopian taste of this concept, restricted from leaving a one-kilometer radius of our house. The city revealed how unequipped it really was to support this vision. Simultaneously, it enabled deeper public discourse and supporting research to close the gap and make it a reality. To give you a sense of her commitment to the plan, Mayor Hidalgo has done the following. Opened linear parks on highways along the Seine River, phased out diesel cars in the city, reduced the citywide speed limit to 30 kilometers per hour, which is roughly 20 miles per hour, opened bus lanes, raised parking meter prices, created over a thousand kilometers of bike lanes, eliminated cars from the Rue de Rivoli, a major crosstown thoroughfare, and even proposed plans to pedestrianize the Champs-Élysées and plant an urban forest. Paris is already known for its walkability and culture of flaneur, but cycling grew 54% just one year after dedicated lanes were opened. Needless to say, the stakes are high. Transforming Paris sits at the intersection of climate concerns, class warfare, see the Gilles protests, urban development, and transportation. The sheer diversity of associated topics has drawn quite a bit of attention from the press and populace. In fact, Hidalgo has even announced a bid for the presidency in the upcoming election based on her successful agenda in Paris. If the utopian vision for a 15-minute city comes to fruition, we may ask ourselves, how will we get around? The micro-mobility and last-mile transport revolution is already here, which will surely play a part. But will an uptick in cycling drive innovation in bike design and engineering? And what about the fate of cars and ride-sharing? Today, we'll explore the French tech startups, 
touching mobility and transportation to gauge how the quest for the 15-minute city could stimulate innovation in mobility tech. All right, for those of you listening, here are the startups we're going to cover today. Angelbike, Ornicar, Heach, Virtuo, and Vulog. All right, let's get to it. You're my angel, you're my darling angel. Apologies in advance for resurfacing the lyrics to Shaggy's 2000 hit, Angel. I give you permission to watch the music video for some nostalgia before starting this section. When thinking about micromobility in the 15-minute city, there are two options that immediately come to mind. Frankly, it's hard to miss them. They're everywhere. You've got scooters and bikes scattered throughout Paris and virtually every major city that hasn't already banned the ride-sharing apps. The scooters are fun but objectively dangerous. Plus, I would never in a million years buy one for myself. The public bike share system, Vélib in Paris or the city bike in in New York, is practical, but there is always a non-zero chance you'll end up with a dud or find yourself at a station that is constantly empty due to unfavorable traffic flow. Owning a bike would be cool, but the constant vigilance required to prevent theft and the prospect of maintenance is a bit anxiety-inducing for me. If I were to pick a dedicated mode of transportation, however, it would have to be the Angel Bike. The brainchild of Mark Simoncini, Angel Bike is what you get if you took a tech-slash-design startup and told them to build a practical, user-friendly, and eco-conscious city bike. I'll get to the bike in a minute, but I think it's important to address the founder first. Mark is currently a partner at Daphne VC, whose motto is build the city for good. A self-proclaimed recidivist entrepreneur, he is still actively involved in the startup, despite his role as a venture capitalist. As someone who follows him on social media, he is also the definitive zaddy of the French tech ecosystem, sporting regular shirtless pics in places like Mykonos, which begs a question, one I asked on Twitter to an underwhelming response. The French community needs to know. Does Marc Simoncini moonlight as a model for every direct-to-consumer clothing brand in France? Enough of my French tech conspiracy theories. Let's talk about the product. The long and the short of it is, the bike is fucking cool. It's super light, 16 kilograms, agile and armed to the teeth with tech. It's got a built-in touchscreen, pairs with your phone for navigation, handlebar vibration for turns, anti-theft alarm system, GPS tracking, and more. Did I mention it's electric? The ride support for hills is life-changing. I've only experienced it on the Uber jump bikes, but it feels like magic. They've also got the Angel Care program for regular maintenance and fixes. I hope Apple doesn't sue them. The only downside? Sticker shock. It's 2,860 euro, or 239 a month if you opt for the buy now, pay later option. In the 15-minute city, this might be the best investment you could make. You own a car. You own a car. You own a car. All right, that's my best Oprah impression that I'm going to give today. In the U.S., your 16th birthday is a substantial milestone because it's the year you can get your driver's license. The act of getting your driver's license and the prerequisite training isn't exactly the fun part. If I recall, I spent hours driving around suburban St. Louis, Missouri with an ex-cop turned driving instructor who made sure I passed my test and reduced premiums on my insurance. The real benefit is the freedom that comes with the driver's license, the freedom of movement and sense of independence, and a car, no matter how shitty it is, is liberating, especially for a brooding teen. In France, the age limit is 18, but they get to start drinking wine at the dinner table in middle school, so they won't get any sympathy from me. One thing that France and the U.S. have in common is a die-hard attachment to freedom, with a capital F. We express it in different ways, as pictured below, but the enthusiasm is there on both sides. 
Now, I have to describe to you this graphic. On the left, we've got the American version of freedom, as represented by a bald eagle wearing a U.S. flag top hat firing a semi-automatic rifle into the sky. And on the right, we have the French liberté, or liberty, as pictured in Delacroix's Liberty Leading the People, which currently resides in the Louvre, and it prominently features a wardrobe malfunction. Check out the essay for more. This brings us to Ornicar, an online driving school that brings together students and driving instructors to simplify and streamline the process of training for your license. They've effectively built the one-stop shop for all things driving at a fraction of the price. When they first launched in 2014, the National Syndicate of Driving Instructors wasn't thrilled. Independent driving schools had a vice grip on the market, setting prices and usually incurring delays for students, of which there are one million per year in France. Early backers, including our old friend Xavier Neal, and the aforementioned Mark Simoncini saw potential to turn the market on its head. It took some time, but now Ornicar owns nearly 20% of the market and has over 150 million euro in funding. You may be tempted to ask, will a city without cars, or cars that move really slowly, impact Ornicar's bottom line? In the short to midterm, my guess is no. There are 32 million passenger cars in France, and while Paris might be adapting to greener policy, suburban and rural residents will have to use Uh, have use for cars for well into the next decade. My question is what happens when we make the switch to autonomous vehicles. The time horizon for a full transition is quite long, but one area of diversification they are already exploring is car insurance. So if you abstract away the explicit focus on cars, Ornicar really is a training certification and insurance tech company. I'd bet they could pivot their expertise and infrastructure to support entirely different lines of business. The Hitchhiker's Guide to Mobility. I'm going to start with a quote from David Belliard, the adjunct mayor for transportation and public space in Paris. Quote, the redistribution of public space is a policy of social redistribution. 50% of the public space is occupied by private cars, which are used mostly by the richest and mostly by men, because mostly men drive. And so in total, the richest men are using half of the public space. So if we give the space to walking, biking, and public transit, you give back public space to the categories of people who today are deprived, end quote. As we reflect on the implications of a 15-minute city, it's hard not to imagine an uptick in shared resources for transportation. Owning a car in the city can be a pain, but sometimes it's hard to avoid. Road trips, moving furniture, transport, transporting your kids, etc. There's plenty of controversy surrounding ride-sharing and the gig economy as it stands today, but for a suitable, a sustainable future, there will have to be changes. One such change is proposed by Heach, a ride-sharing company that positions itself as the most fair option on the market, taking low commissions and supporting their chauffeur partners. They've expanded into five countries outside of France, in Europe, and North Africa, but remains to be seen if they can take on global goliaths like Uber. Personally, I don't want to live in a world where I'm the constant passenger. After all, I got my license for a reason. I like renting cars on holiday, but it's definitely not the on-demand experience I've come to expect with ride-sharing apps. That's the sweet spot that Virtuo is going after. On-demand luxury vehicle rental uh, with daily pricing and an option for home delivery, all within a mobile app experience. If renting becomes as easy as ride-sharing and relatively cost-effective, then you can count me in. This is the very last level to unlock in the game of mobility access. Massive Opportunity In the past decade, we've witnessed siloed growth among the top mobility companies equipped with firepower, tech talent, resources, and tolerant investors willing to take near-term losses. As we start to evaluate the good and the bad outcomes from the Uberization of our cities, 
There are plenty of alternatives with viable business models. Historically, they are pretty challenging to start. See above, huge resource demands. Which is why Vulog, a company building a platform to seed the shared mobility revolution, demonstrates huge potential. Let's call it mobility as a service. All the time, R&D, and lessons learned from launching mobility startups has been neatly packaged into predefined solutions so that new entrants can focus on customer value instead of route optimization or vehicle gateways. According to the company, every second, a trip powered by Vulog is started. A platform like this should naturally spawn a whole new generation of shared mobility companies by lowering overhead, required capital, and reducing the need for winner-take-all scale in a crowded market. I can see a company like this doing what Salesforce did for the enterprise, deliver out-of-the-box cloud services, and see what companies can do with the extra time and energy put towards building meaningful solutions for their users. Emancipation Reclamation going to end here with another quote with, from David Belliard, the adjunct mayor for transportation and public space in Paris. Quote, I was obliged to have a car. The car was not an object of emancipation, but of servitude. I could do nothing without my car. So evidently we're asking them to pay ever more for something they are required to use. The question of alternatives is the fundamental question. End quote. Just a decade ago, imagining a car-free city would be a fun thought exercise, but far from reality due to the infrastructure, behavioral, and technological constraints. That's changing, and so is public opinion on climate change and livable urban spaces. According to the polls, Hidalgo's chance of running the country is slim, but her progressive ideas on transforming urban centers to optimize for livability, pedestrians, and ecological sustainability have caught the attention of the public. Perhaps a point of tangency with the tech community will give her a seat at the table with Macron should he win re-election next year. Until then, I'll be enjoying the ever-increasing perks of a soon-to-be 15-minute city. Currently, the average commute in Paris is 64 minutes, so there's a ways to go. Anyway, if you enjoyed the audio version, uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is my, my first test with this, so I would love your feedback. Uh, go ahead to the website, startuproi.substack.com. You can vote on the article there. You can find me on Twitter at Startup ROI or Roi Startup. That's ROI Startup. Uh, and feel free to email me at bonjour at startuproi.com.